Welcome back to another episode of the King's Pulse Podcast presented by the King's Herald. My name is Brendan Nunez. Got Bryant West on here as we always do. What's going on, Bryant? How you doing, man? What's up, Brendan? We're nine days away from King's regular season basketball. I'm ready to get going. Yeah, and uh, the plan for today is we're kind of biting off something that a friend of the show and, and King's Herald member Omar Khan put on Twitter, some over-unders that I think are good conversation starters to go through a lot of the roster and what our expectations are for them this year and maybe slightly changed a couple of them, but you can check out um, the over-unders that he posted, uh, his act. And by the way, Omer absolutely is like one of the smartest basketball minds there is in Kings media. And I'm shocked that he doesn't have more of a following. It's O underscore A underscore con K H A N. Definitely follow Omer if you're not for some reason. But yeah, absolutely. Kind of biting off him here. Yeah, we we checked with him and and his and of course he was very kind and said, absolutely go for it. You may want to change a couple of them. So at his uh at his urging, I, I updated a couple so they're a little different than what you guys will see on Twitter. But again, like Brendan said, I think these are just really good conversation starters to you know, talk about where we're at with certain players and some of their biggest uh, either question marks or some of them are strengths, just impacts moving forward. So ready to roll into it. Absolutely. Um, Do you want to kind of lead them here? Uh, I will. I'll kick them off Um, here. To me, I think this was one of the most, uh, the hardest ones, honestly. Um, So the first over under De'Aaron Fox over under 75% 75% from the free throw line. Yeah. And before we go into each of these, I'll kind of just lay out what it was last season. And last year for Fox was 71.9% from the free throw line. He was 10th in the league in free throw attempts. So this is definitely an aspect where he's getting to the line all the time and knocking them down just would up his points per game. And, and potentially it doesn't seem like he's lacks a aggressiveness going to the rim because of some shaky free throw shooting at time, but I think that if he was even more confident in his free throw ability um, that we could even see that number go up. I think Fox could end up a top three free throw attempt guy in the league. So bumping this number is really important. 75 is a lot. Um, Mm -hmm. I feel more comfortable saying under, I don't think overs out of the picture, but I feel more comfortable saying under here. Yeah. I honestly think looking at this one, it's, it's, you're taking it, so much on faith that this that fox is going to improve fox clearly has always known this is something he needs to improve at um i will say he didn't draw any he didn't get to the line in the uh, suns game but he got to the line six times three times against clippers and he made all six of them so that was good to see you know this is just as much a trust thing in the player um i'm gonna agree with you i'm gonna pick the under but if he's over, man, he's he's just going to be a totally different player as he gets that number up and up. Um, another thing I want to talk about, since we didn't do a podcast after that Clippers game, my goodness, how beautiful were those off-the-dribble jumpers that he took against uh, Los Angeles? Yeah, and he took a couple possessions in a row. I think there were back-to-back possessions of off-the-dribble mm-hmm. threes. Yeah, um, super comfortable. And I think that those two things we're talking about, the off-the-dribble shooting – and the free throw percentage are kind of the X factors in his growth, even though he's already a ridiculous player, but just taking it to another level. Yeah, yeah. it was, it was, it was great seeing those. 
that that Clippers game, honestly, like I, I know Luke Walton's not going to go this way because he clearly is using these rotations to figure out his actual rotations moving forward. He's not like, you know, the Clippers just threw in their third stringers in the second half um, last week while Luke Walton was still going through actual rotations that he could play. Um, but if he wanted to just hold Fox out the next two games, I wouldn't blame him. De'Aaron Fox showed everything in that Clippers game that you could want uh, from a star player in preseason. Yeah, really aggressive in that Clippers game, especially kind of comparatively to the Suns one. Um, and, and understandable, nothing against the not crazy aggressive in a preseason game or anything like that. Yeah. But No, completely but, understandable. It's preseason. Yeah, the Clippers one felt like a taste of like, oh, this is, yeah, I remember that Fox can kind of take over games sometimes. So, yeah, I'm, I'm betting I would say under on 75% from the free throw line, but hope I'm wrong. He's been around 71, 72% for the four years of his career so far, and it's definitely a reasonable jump to make. It just kind of at this point seems like 72 sort of range could just be where he stays, but hopefully there's growth. Yeah, at some point in his career, he is going to take a leap in free throw percentage and stabilize his three-point percentage to at least league average. I'm very confident in this. Uh, I just, you know, it's, it's probably not safe to bet on it at any given time. I just know it'll happen. Yeah, totally. And the next one here is Tyrese Halliburton. Seven assists a game. Last year was 5.3, his average over 30 minutes of playing time. And there were 19 games where he had seven or more that he tallied out of the 58 he played in. I think it's also notable that he has started both of these games. I know like reading too much in rotations or whatever, um, but he started over Buddy in both of these. And I think there's going to be a lot of times where he is the one initiating the offense. I, I think that any lineup with him and Mitchell and, and say Buddy or Davis, pretty much any time that Fox isn't on the floor, it seems like there's a good chance that Halliburton will be and be initiating the offense. Um, yeah, where, where I, are you at with this? I think this is pretty contentious only in... Tyrese played uh, 30 minutes per game last year. So if you're thinking he's suddenly getting as many minutes as Fox or Heald did last year, Fox averaged 35 minutes a game, Buddy averaged 34. It's not insane to me to pick the over. And I honestly think that's probably where I'm going to go. There is a little bit in me like Darren Fox's assist numbers aren't going to go down. Because uh, Darren Fox is always going to be the highest usage player on this roster. So I'm not going to say his assist numbers are going to go down. Um, So are there really going to be two? players on this team who will average around seven assists per game. I think that's pretty, yeah, pretty close, but I will say Kings also averaged 12th most assists in the league last year. Um, and as Tyrese Halliburton gets a lot more comfortable with his teammates, as this team has another year to gel, really figure out the offense. It wouldn't surprise me if the Kings are in the top 10 for both points scored and assists. So um, I'm going to take the over on this, but I I completely understand anybody who takes the under. Yeah. And I think I fall into that. Anybody like, I I just don't know where these other 
like who I don't know what, what he was doing last year was kind of already that role I was talking about. Like the difference is like what Delon Wright, Corey Joseph, right, are gone, yeah. I guess. But those well, guys weren't initiating the offense in some crazy way. Like I think that Davion is similar to them when it comes to an offensive role, not not as players or anything, but like offensive role. Um, yeah, I just I guess most of my belief here is that he averaged five point three last year in thirty minutes. And I feel like, especially in the first half of the season, it wasn't so much role. It was Luke Walton just not playing him a ton. And I'll just say this outright. If Luke Walton decides to bench Tyrese Halliburton at any point in the season, uh, Luke Walton is making a massive mistake. Tyrese Halliburton is this team's second best player. He needs to be starting. And he needs to get as many minutes as Buddy Heald and near De'Aaron Fox. So if you're taking a, let's see, what was per 36 last year? I'm just curious. Uh, In 36 last year, he averaged 6.4 assists. So, you know, I I guess this is just me taking a a leap of faith on Tyrese figuring out more and more ways to be impactful and getting a decent jump in minutes. Um, But I, I see where you're coming from. Yeah, I'm going to say under, actually, because there's only 13 guys in the league last year that averaged seven or more. It's just a high number, I think. Yeah. Um, I, but obviously, just a static with the way that Halliburton moves the ball around. And this is, yeah, he, he's just going to be so fun to watch this year. Like, the ball yeah. movement at moments through these first two preseason games has been beautiful. Um, and Halliburton's really a big part been. of that. He He's very good at, even if it's not direct assist like a hockey assist of the ball is in his hands for you know 0.5 seconds sometimes he knows exactly where he's going to go with it before he gets it so yeah i think the ball movement is going to be great this year and halberton's a big part of that seven is just a little too high for me yeah one thing i've always liked about luke walton's offense is that much more so than dave yeager like dave yeager preached to these guys we're going to move fast we're going to keep the ball moving around but really luke walton has turned this team into a full passing squad. Um, And I mean, Tyrese Halliburton being one of the most low usage, high assist dudes in the league is going to be a big benefit to that. No question. Um, But you know, the playmaking in that first half against the Clippers was really beautiful. Um, And, you know, I, 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 like we keep saying, I don't want to take too much from preseason, but one of the few things that I will take from preseason is, is the team executing? And I've been pretty dang happy with how the Kings offense has been working in, in two meaningless games. Yeah. Same here. I don't think offense was a concern last year. I thought they were pretty good in that aspect. So I'm definitely with you. I am going to go under on the seven assists, but yeah, that's uh for the reasons explained. And what do we got next year? Uh, next one is buddy healed four three pointers made per game. Um, for context, he made four three-pointers a game last year. <laughs> um, so basically, this over-under is, is Buddy Heald going to have the same impact from deep this year? Um, you know, I'm going to take the under on this, um, mainly because, well, first off, Buddy Heald, this is the first year in Buddy Heald's career that he made four three-pointers again. Um, so betting on that repeating 
seems a little rich to me. Mm -hmm. Um, I will say though, last year, both his three-pointers made and his three-pointers attempt were the highest of his career last year. Um, And through these two preseason games, like, have you ever seen a more green light than what Buddy Heald has gotten no, for the Kings? I, so far? I was, I was going to say the same thing. It's like, yeah, no, he's coming off these big nods and he is like letting it go right away, hand in his face, which is what, what Buddy does. Yeah. I, I, I did see more um, Buddy trying to dribble into a three pointer in, in one on one situations than I liked. Um, you know me, I'm always going to prefer buddy healed off movement catch and shoot threes um as opposed to buddy healed has got to be ball working uh but i mean if, if his light is that green and he comes off the bench which i think he should um unless the kings are going to start their three guard lineup which you know as we talked about last time presents their own problems uh his role is going to be the same he needs to space the floor he no longer is the secondary initiator. That's Tyrese Halliburton's job. And if he's off the floor, that's got to be Davion Mitchell's job because I already trust Davion Mitchell with a live dribble more than I trust Buddy. Buddy's role just has to be space the floor, make assists when you can, rebound the ball, and, and limit your defensive miscues as much as you can. And if his light's going to be that green in the regular season. Like, I don't think this is crazy. I'm just, I, I, I don't feel comfortable taking the over. So I'll stick with under. Yeah. I am actually going to go over here. Um, I agree with what you said. It's kind of like a risky thing to bet on here. There's only three guys in the league, Curry Lillard and, and buddy that did average more than 10 last year. And those aim three guys are the only ones to make four or more. But like you kind of pointed out, I mean, seems like an ultra green light for Buddy. And I think that with other ball handlers on the floor that and that's really just the addition of Davion and and more comfortability from from Tyrese and maybe Davis every once in a while or things like this. Like, I I think that Buddy is just going to get up at least the same amount of threes as last year. And I think that for a little while we kind of had last year labeled as a down year for Buddy which is a little hard to explain when you look at his numbers. Um, well, but... Buddy Heald has always been a collective stat dude. Like if you look at him at the end of a season, his numbers are always going to look a lot different than they do from a game to game. Mm-hmm. Like honestly, Buddy Heald is the least um, consistent king, two-way king aside from you know Marvin Bagley. Um, so I, I understand there were whole stretches of games last year where it was just like, where the heck is Buddy? His yeah. shots completely evaporated. And, you know, when he's not making those shots, his defensive errors are a lot more easy to see and, and get get pissed at. So, um, but you're right. When, when he's on, he's on. And he still provides something that this team absolutely needs until they replace him. So, yeah. Yeah, and when you're primary and maybe not only, but definitely the primary reason, again, that you're out there shooting, I mean, sometimes it's just not going not gonna to go down. And I definitely agree with you, kind of just a little inconsistent compared to some of these other guys. But yeah. I think 
yeah, I, I think around the same number as last year, maybe a little bit more is, is fine by me. So I'll, I'll take the over on this one. Okay. Uh, here's another tough one. Harrison Barnes over under 16 points again. For context, he averaged 16.1 points last year. He was third on the team in field goal attempts, um, made nearly 50% of his field goals, shot 39% from deep. So it was a truly efficient year for Barnes. Let me see if those field goals were a career high. Uh, Yeah, they were both field goal and three-point success were season high. Well, no, his three-pointer wasn't, but his field goal sure was by a decent margin. Um, you know, hat tip to Harrison Barnes. When he got traded here, I just stared at his Dallas numbers and I said, why the heck are we trading for an inefficient chucker? And he's just turned around to being the most consistent, even-keeled king. And I think if you're betting over here, you're just betting on that to continue. But at the same time, I think you're also betting on, you know, the offensive workload staying the same. And it's kind of hard for me to stare at Harrison Barnes was third in field goal attempts for the Kings last year. Is he really going to be third again this year? Is Tyrese Halliburton going to steal any of those? So I don't know. I, I, I'm going to take the under, but again, this is one I really don't feel good about. Yeah. I'm going to take the over here. And I think that one aspect that stands out to me well, first of all, Barnes has led the team in minutes played since he's gotten here. And I, I don't yeah. think that's going to change this year just because of the lack of wings. Completely um, agree. And that's part of the reason that this, this point total kind of is what it is. But like you said, extremely efficient last year. My other aspect is that I think there were a couple guys last year, and I guess I'm thinking of Bielitsa and some of the bigs like Metu and – Maybe Damian Jones doesn't quite fall into this, but it feels like they they added a few players this year slash the end of last year that are defensive focused, that the mm-hmm. ball is not really going to be in their hands. Um, you know, Len Thompson um, compared to, you know, Holmes would get his own shots up and Holmes will still be around, but the backup bigs like Metu were getting them up sometimes as well. The Elitza was getting up shots. So I think that just with a few more defensive focused players, Harkless as well, not going to exactly out there to get shots up. Um, I think I'm still going to say over for Harrison. I think this is about the right number, you know, and I, I totally would feel comfortable picking under as well, but I'm, I think I'm going to go, I think I'm going to go over here. I would, I would love to see him get over just because, you know, he, like you said, he needs to be the most consistent King. Um, but also I, Traded for Harrison Barnes in our dynasty league. <laughs> traded uh, Marvin Bagley for Harrison Barnes, and I'm just cackling uh, at that moving forward. So I'd love to see him get over. Yeah. Next one, Rashawn Holmes, nine rebounds per game. And real quick, just on Holmes, he didn't start in that Clippers game. They started Thompson. Oh. Um, I didn't see a reasoning, but I know in the minutes that Holmes were out there, there was one point he was setting a screen. I think uh, they were letting the clock wind down a little bit at the end of a quarter and his hands were just like on his knees. He looked absolutely gassed. And I can't remember the last time I've said that for Holmes. Yeah. So I, I don't think there's too much to read into like Thompson starting over him or anything like that. I'd be absolutely shocked if that happened. Um, I, I don't see I, a world where that happens. Rashawn Holmes absolutely is going to be the starter. I have no question about that. My only thought was 
yeah, this is preseason. Luke Walton can try some things. And and to me, starting Thompson wasn't a let's start Thompson over Holmes. To me, it was let's see how Tristan plays with this starting squad. Um, and I thought he played well, but we'll talk about him in a minute anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and um, the, the over-under we have here for Holmes is nine rebounds per game. And for all the great, thing, great things Holmes does, I wouldn't say rebounding is one of them. I think he's a good good rebounder, average rebounder. He's 6'10", you know, a little undersized. And he obviously is putting crazy effort in there. But he's never averaged nine in his career. It was 8.3 last year. Um, I think that his... I guess 29.2 minutes still seems somewhat reasonable, but I think that with two very capable other big men on the roster and Lennon Thompson, you could kind of see those guys get leaned on more a little uh, at times compared to the center rotation that Sacramento was working with last year. That was just atrocious pretty much in in my mind. So I, I, this feels like a pretty easy under for me. Yeah, it is for me too. Um, You know, I think that one of these spots that, Rashawn Holmes tries really hard on the glass. I have no question about that. But one of his points where, you know, his slight uh, undersized really shows up is on the glass. Him being undersized really does show up on the glass. Uh, I, I think if any six, eight center is capable of getting to nine rebounds, it would be Holmes. Um, but I'm just not going to bet on that. Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, one interesting aspect to me, I mean, we talk about Buddy and Bagley and not wanting to see them play together for defensive issues. I think that if you are playing Buddy Bagley for moments, then you definitely need one of Thompson or Len as the other big man out there, like more defensive focused. Um, so, yeah, just something I, I thought of yesterday when the rotation was kind of going through. It's like, all right. I'm going to I'm going to break the order here because I want to have a conversation about this, yeah. dude. Um Let's talk about Tristan Thompson. When the Kings traded for him, I was very much not a fan. And it was as much because I liked DeLon Wright as it was, well, why are we trading for Tristan Thompson? Um, you know, from the outside, and I'm not a Celtics fan, so you feel free to correct me if I'm speaking out of turn here. It seemed like, you know, he got 27 minutes, 23.8 minutes per game last year with the Celtics. And it just sounded like, he, that he wasn't ever viewed as a, a solution there. Um, and I mean, clearly I, I see why the Celtics did the deal that they did, but I gotta say, man, in these two preseason game preseason games, I've just done a complete 180 on Tristan Thompson. He, he seems to be in great shape. Um, he had a couple of full court defensive possessions, like, uh, Zubox was leaking out ahead of him on a transition play and he got back and he knocked that ball away from him uh, in the second quarter, I believe it was. Um, Tristan Thompson seems in great shape. He's barking at the dudes to uh, box out. He's, he's rebounding very well. I thought his defense against the Clippers was really good. I still don't want to see him start. Not so much because, I mean, Rashawn Holmes should start. That's very obvious. Um, and I'm not really going to love a Tristan Thompson, Rashawn Holmes lineup in terms of uh, scoring, I guess. That's my main concern. But I'm no longer going to be upset about it. So um, 
I'm very happy where Tristan Thompson is with this Kings team. Um, anything you want to say on him before I give the over-under? I mean, I think that I was somebody that didn't hate it at first, like like most people did. Um, and yeah, a lot of last year for Thompson was the Celtics roster construction was really bad. And I get that you can kind of say the same thing about the Kings, but I don't think it's at the point where it's like, okay, Tristan Thompson needs to be playing the four. And I think that was an issue last year. Like maybe you can get away with it. I think that, you know, he was, he's pegged as a very switchable center and he's just not as good as that now as he used to be Mm -hmm. Um, about to be 30 here. So I think that, yeah, I mean, they, they played him in, or he is 30 already about halfway into 30, but yeah, I think that they played him a little bit more in a drop. Like I think just being a really smart defender is something that this team was missing. Like Thompson has a lot of experience. We've seen some of kind of like his goofy veteran ship that I, I think helps with the camaraderie that we're hearing about a lot, you know, like the interrupting buddy heels press, press conference um, and the interrupting Davion's post-game interview after game one of the preseason. Like he, he just seems very fun and lighthearted in, in the locker room as well and has a leadership component. But yeah, I think just being really smart, like, I can think of a play. I don't remember which game it was where um, they ended up doubling a guy in the corner that seemed very just on the fly reading, deciding to do that. It was him and Halliburton, two really smart defenders. Um, So I think just having a really, again, smart defender who is a good rim protector specifically, and and like you're saying, communicator is going to be very beneficial for this Kings team. I still don't exactly know where I stand on like him versus Len in the rotation. And again, preseason, but it does really seem like Thompson is kind of favored there and we'll, we'll yeah. see how that develops. Um, but I, I mean, I thought that I would hate, not hate. I thought that I would be weird if he was favored over Len. And at this point I'm like, ah, oh, no, I, I could kind of see it. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm completely there right now. Um, I'll just say it again. We talked about it extensively last podcast. I just love the Kings uh, big man rotation compared to last year, which may be damning with faint praise, but um, both, both Thompson and Len have looked very solid in the preseason. And uh, I think that depth is really going to help this team moving forward. Um, The over under here is Thompson 22 minutes per game. Yeah. Um, Last year was 23.8 for him in Boston. He was starting at the four a lot. Years before in Cleveland, he he did average more than that for the most part, 30 in 1920, uh, 27 in 1819. But this seems like a little bit of a turning point in his career. And hmm, it's a a really good number to put this at. Yeah, because this one really comes down to what happens with this team. is Marvin Bagley here long-term? Is a trade made? Uh, does Is there a clear decision between Thompson or Len coming off the bench, or are they just continuing to shift depending on the matchup? Um, That's the big one for me. Yeah, I, I'm going to take the under. Wouldn't be surprised if it's the over. And honestly, unless Thompson's suddenly getting 30 minutes a game, I'm going to be fine with it. Yeah. At least for now. Yeah. I'm curious, by the way, 
uh, listeners how the updated thoughts on Thompson are at, at this point with kind yeah. of just getting to know him a little bit better because people were really down on that. And I think a lot of that was less of Thompson sucks. And, and I saw some of that, but more of like, what are we doing getting rid of DeLon Wright for this guy? Um, well, for me, it was as much more. I, well, one half of it was just ignorance in what Tristan Thompson could bring at this stage of his career. I won't pretend otherwise. But it was more just, uh, why are we going getting a backup big man? Was there not a single dang wing or forward we could get mm. with uh, DeLon Wright? Because like DeLon Wright was great for the Kings last year. And, yeah. and at the time, for me, it just seemed like this is a very weak trade. Um, yeah. But... Tristan seems to be a, a real catalyst in this locker room. And, you know, as always, uh, we'll believe the good locker room vibes uh, if they're still there in December and the Kings are near 500. Um, but, you know, two preseason games, I've been very happy with what I've seen from Tristan Thompson. So I'm going to pick yeah. the under, but uh, if it's a, if it's over than that, I'm, I'm not going to be as upset as I would have probably been a, a couple of weeks ago. I agree with that. I'm going to go under. I think that, you know, there were only eight guys on this roster last year that averaged above 22. And I just don't think Thompson is one of the first guys off the bench that could become the case. And it, I think that if it does, that he probably deserves that because of his play um, and not saying the play so far, but if he continues a high level of play, then Maybe. So same as you under, but not exactly going to be mad if it becomes over. I just think that with three really capable big men, 22 sounds like a lot. Yeah. NFL Sunday ticket is now on YouTube and YouTube TV, which means that it just got easier to be an NFL fan. Even if you live far away, like maybe you like the bears, but you're hibernating in Panthers territory. But with NFL Sunday ticket, your out of market team is never more than a short distance away. Specifically the distance from you to your remote control. NFL Sunday Ticket, now on YouTube and YouTube TV. Go to youtube.com slash presale to get $50 off. Terms and embargoes apply. Offer ends 919. No refund. Subscription auto renews. 20th Century Studios presents Vacation Friends 2. Now streaming only on Hulu. Look at us all together again. We just wanted to give you guys a real honeymoon. Shots! 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 What? Now streaming. Dad! He was just released from jail. Where can I get a drink around here? What? Back on vacation. This place is nice. It's drug lord nice. I'm sorry, drug lord nice? With more baggage. Ever since he showed up, he turned this relaxing vacation into total chaos. Who does that? Vacation Friends 2. Rated R. Now streaming. Only on Hulu. Um, Do you want to go to... We were talking about Bagley. A li- or do you want to talk about Len, the last center? Sure. So the over-under for Len. Or let's just start with... You know, Len was brought here this offseason, and I think a lot of people were happy to have him back for a really good reason. Um, his big body presence is something that the Kings lacked since he's left. He has great rim protection to him. I think he moves a lot better than most people at his size. I, I also think he's a very good mold for Namiya Shikita to look at. But I am going to be interested to see, again, how this rotation works with him and Thompson specifically, and who kind of earns the trust of the backup spot. Is it just depending on who the Kings are playing against on a given night, Um, which it's probably the latter mentioned there, but yeah, I mean, I I think I'm definitely glad to have Len on the roster, but I I think I'm going to be interested to see what his role kind of becomes. 
Yeah, me too. Um, this is a real question, Mark, is which big is going to get the majority of the time off the bench? Um, you know, the one thing I've been kind of surprised that we haven't seen Len do is uh, take any outside shots. He hasn't done it in these two games. I mean, that may, may, may not mean much, um, but I kind of thought that was the the real strength he had over Thompson. Um, Thompson tried a, a, a deeper, not three-pointer oh, against so the Clippers. And that was so ugly. It was so uh, ugly. But you know what else I did love? Thompson tried like multiples of uh, Holmes's push shot. Uh-huh. And, and I love that. <laughs> I love seeing Holmes rub off on uh, his, his backup men. Um, yeah. So I thought that was good. Um, you know, I, it, the over under here for Len is one block per game. Um, and I'm, I'm definitely going to take the over on that because that's what Len has pretty much always done, even in limited minutes. Um, he's pretty much always averaged one block. Like last year for Washington, he played in 40 games, averaged 15.8 minutes per game and averaged a block. Um, two years ago when he was playing for the Kings in 15 games, 15 minutes per game, one block per game. Yep. So unless you are thinking that Alex line is not going to get 15 minutes a game, across X number of games. I think it's pretty safe bet to say he'll get a block per game. So do I. And I think also considering that King's perimeter containment hasn't been great, he'll get a decent amount of opportunities to block shots. Yes. So yeah, I'm, I'm good with that. And at some point, I think maybe before the season starts, we need to do an episode talking about the center rotation and how we feel minutes could be distributed and what matchups kind of favor each guy because yeah trying to do the math here but like you know 15 minutes for len and then if you're saying 30 for Holmes, you're already at 45 um we haven't yeah. considered thompson so yeah maybe at some point we'll dive into that a little bit more but i'm with you on well it, i think i think the, the the complication there is when i said 15 minutes for len i wasn't saying he's going to get 15 minutes every game i'm saying he's going to get 20 minutes in some games and 10 minutes in some games and five minutes in some games. Mm, yeah. good. Point. I really do think it's going to be matchup dependent. Like for Washington last year, 15.8 minutes in 40 games. Mm-hmm. Oh no, I'm sorry. 52, 57 games. 57 games started in 40 games. Wow. There's a starter who only averaged 15.8 minutes. It's <laughs> pretty incredible. Um, so yeah, I, I agree with you. The messy center rotation is something we should cover. Yeah. But yeah, um, definitely, as we've said a handful of times, so happy to have that center rotation compared to last year. Absolutely. And part of that rotation last year was Marvin Bagley, who, if you're down, we can <laughs> touch on a little bit here uh, next. I'm waving farewell to the SS Marvin Bagley as a small ball center. Yeah. Farewell. I, I, I still hold out hope that his future team is going to be like, hey, dude, be more physical. You're not going to be in this league if you if you can't bang up against uh, dudes who are clearly smaller than you. Um, but it watching that Clippers game and seeing rookie Keon Johnson move Bagley out of the way for a rebound 
in the fourth quarter of a game where Marvin Bagley was getting garbage minutes. Just it. Everybody from Amir Coffey to Keon Johnson were purposely guarding him. The Clippers were playing him small. And he just wasn't physical. So that, that was an incredibly uh, sad game for whatever Bagley optimism I still had deep in the recesses of my heart. Yeah. And yeah, I think that said it on the last episode, I felt a need to see more from Bagley and it's been the same. I think a little yeah. bit more willingness to use his right hand here and there. But I think we mm-hmm. also said that a little bit at the beginning of last year, like at the beginning of last year, it was like, Oh my God, he's moving the ball really well. And that disappeared. Um, yeah. So. Lucy's not pulling the football from me this time. Yeah. I'm not going to bank on it. Um, when Omer posted these over-unders, his original one was Marvin Bagley, 25 games missed due to injury. Um, and while I think that's a fair over-under, that's not one I feel comfortable guessing on because uh, who the fuck knows. Um, so I, I changed it to make this a little more contentious for me and you. Uh, Marvin Bagley, 25 games played with the Sacramento Kings. Yeah. Um, I think I'm going under. Yeah. You know, it, I mean, the issue here is that like Bagley probably has to be part of a bigger deal, right? Like it's not Bagley yeah. for something. Cause I think if, well, it, if, if, unless they just cut him, is it impossible? No, I, I, I think I was saying last episode, like I, I, would strongly consider some DNPs for Bagley. Like yeah. if he's just continuing to go out there and be a negative. Yeah. I guess I was a little flippant with the cut because with his salary at what it is, I think it's like 11 or 12 million this year. Yeah. I believe it's um, 12. Yeah. Yeah. Money, money's not going to trade a, a 11 or $12 million expiring contract. He's just not going to do that. So like you said, it, it, if Marvin Bagley isn't going to be in this rotation, it will, likely be coach DNPs. Um and then you know is is uh which does kind of just tank okay? his trade value. Yeah. Well I mean it's already be, it's already really yeah. low, but like if it's like the rest I think some people in the rest of the league would be like, oh well, look at these numbers and look at this build and athletic profile. Like and if it's like oh he can't even get minutes on this team, it does change yeah. it a little bit still. It does. Uh, and it's not like, you know, we can talk about the Kings big men rotation being improved. It's not like they're just teaming with power forwards. Yeah. Um, so and I don't know. Yeah, I, I him, still really feel like Barnes and Harkless. Yeah. You know, I'm going to pick the under because I'm just, I'm just going to believe that Monty is going to make a deal, whether it is a super mega deal or a, a smaller uh, tweak. I, I, I just don't believe Monty when he says this is the team we're moving forward with. Um, but if it's over, man, I just come on. Come on, Marvin. Just yeah. don't waste those minutes. Yeah, I think there was some reporting recently and some Simmons updates that um, like the Kings, for example, are kind of just wanting to see what they have with this roster. And yeah, I think yeah, that. Right. Yeah, <laughs> right. Right. But I think that, yeah, I mean, it could end up becoming that 
I'm going under because I think that Bagley is going to be a negative during his time on the floor for a team that's really trying to do something this year. And I feel kind of shitty saying that, but I don't feel like Bagley's really given a great reason for me to think otherwise. Yeah, I agree with that. So um, let's go to a more fun one. Um, Davion? Okay. Let's save that one for last because I have a hot take. Okay. Um, Terrence Davis. Eight points per game or more. Eight points per game, more or less. Yeah, and he seems like the last guard of these five guards on Sacramento's mm-hmm. roster. Fox, Halberton, Heald, Mitchell, and then Davis. Yep. Um, I will say that I'm definitely taking the over on this and I'm going to be very comfortable with it because played 21 minutes per game with the Kings after coming over last year, averaged 11 points. Um, even, I mean, last year he was the fourth guard this year. He's either the fourth or fifth guard, depending uh, on Davion Mitchell. Um, and yet when Terrence Davis comes in, he's like buddy healed, but with a slightly more balanced scoring skill set. Um. I, he, he's just going to light it up whenever he comes in. He's going to have that same green light as Buddy Heald. He knows why he's coming in. Um, I loved – he had some good defensive moments against Clippers too, by the way. He was very happy with uh, Terrence Davis in this preseason. Um, let's see, what did he have? 15 points on 6 of 11 shooting against the Clippers, uh, two steals. Yeah, I, I've been very happy with where Terrence Davis is. I'm going to take the over. This isn't even close to me. I'm taking the over as well. And I don't think it's like a, you know, 10 points a night thing necessarily. I think it's that, you know, of those games with the Kings last year, six of them, five of them, he averaged, he put in 20 plus. And some of those were injury related and things like that, but there's going to be little things here and there throughout the season. And Davis is going to have his nights. Yep. So yeah, I'm definitely going over there. All right, here's one I'm less optimistic about. Mo Harkless, 34% from the three-point line. Yeah. Um, last year, during his time in Sacramento, 26 games, 24.7%. Um, he is a career 32% shooter from three. You know, like um, in 2019-20, he shot 34.7% from three. But – that feels like somewhat of an outlier. Like if you go further back, you want to say 16, 17, 35, 13, 14. Uh, I don't know how far back we're going at this point, 38%, but it's just so inconsistent in between those there's 27s, um, 24, like I said. So this one feels like a pretty comfortable under. Yeah. He is in no way a consistent three point percentage dude. Like you look at Brendan was trying to list them. Just go look at Mo Harkless's three-point percentages across his career. 27, 38, 18, 28, 35, 41. It, there's a reason he's at 32, and it's because he's either drilling it from downtown or he's ice cold. Um, yeah, I'm going to take the under. And, I, and, I and it too. disappoints me to do that because there's nothing more that I would love to see him kind of take a Jay Crowder role and – even if I'm a 35% three-point shooter, I'm still going to take five of them a game just to keep you honest um, because this team really doesn't need that from uh, more forwards. 
So I, I hope he takes threes. He took 2.8 a game for the Kings in his 26 games with them last year. Um, so I hope he keeps taking them, but I am not going to bet that he makes more than 34% of them. He's just not a good shooter. Yep. Same with you. Not going to bet on it. Very inconsistent. But I will say that, that this is a pretty substantial like swing for the Kings. Like If he has one of these good shooting years, it's a pretty big deal. Um, yeah. we, we know that's his defensive deal. impact and yeah, not being that that's like all he needs to do on offense. It would, it's not out of the picture, but I'm definitely not willing to say that that's going to happen, but if it does, it would be, it'd be ginormous for the Kings to get one of those years. Yes, it really would. This team absolutely needs uh shooting from their forwards, which is why I'm the captain of the Lewis King. We'll have a role in this team sooner rather than later. Mm-hmm. Um, but we'll see. Yeah. Um, right. Is last one here, Davion? I think we did yeah, all the others. The last one's Davion. Um, over, under, 25 minutes per game. Um, and I kind of had a discussion on Twitter about this um, a couple of days ago. And, and some smart fans pointed out, you know, is it is it inconceivable that it just continues along – his minutes per game continue along uh, as he's been used in the preseason. He had 24 minutes against the Suns. He had 26 against the Clippers. Um, and and uh, yeah, I, I'm going to take the under. I'm going to take the under very comfortably. And it's for a very simple reason. Brendan, do you know how many minutes Corey Joseph played per game with the Kings last year? Do I, do I want to know? I think it's like 20. It was 21. So you're going to tell me that a rookie and, and on a team with three to four veteran guards who have an argument for playing either as many or more minutes than he does, you're going to tell me that Davion Mitchell's going to get 25 minutes per game? Even in a, in a heavy, <laughs> <No>. <laughs> even in a heavy three guard rotation team, like there's nothing I would love more than to see Davion Mitchell earn 25 plus minutes per game, because that means that his offense has become consistent and his defense is what we know it to be. Like that that Clippers game made me feel some things. Uh, seeing him go purposely guard Paul George one-on-one make his life hell on multiple possessions was a sight to see. And I couldn't help but think about all those times on this podcast. I said, he's six, one and a half. What do you think? He's going to guard small forwards. Made me think about all those moments. But if you're asking me, is is Davion Mitchell going to get near starter minutes? No, I'm going to take the under on that. Yeah, I'm with you. I think uh, I don't have much more than what you laid out. Well, I, you know that- I to me, honest, the only other part of this conversation is I see quite a few smart fans and uh, even some analysts talk about Davion as a dark horse for Rookie of the Year, and like I, I, I don't mean to disparage what Davion Mitchell is going to mean for this team because he's already made a great impact and 
it, it does not take any time looking at his tape to see why he will earn minutes. There is no way in one of the better rookie classes in the last couple of years, especially since he's coming off the bench, especially since De'Aaron Fox, Buddy Heald, and Tyrus Halliburton all exist. There's no way that, that sorry, Davion Mitchell is going to get enough minutes, going to get enough shots, going to get enough media attention to be in that com- conversation for rookie of the year. There's just no way. I'm sorry. No, I'm with you. Um, I, I do think I ended up putting him on like my all rookie first team. I'd be su- kind of surprised if he didn't make like second, let's say. Yeah. At least. I, I bet no, he'll I'm make second. You. you know, there's enough yeah. nerds with ballots that people are going to be like, no, no, <laughs> we can't undersell how important Davion is to the Kings. But rookie of the year, 25 minutes, I'm, I'm taking the under on those, both of those easy. Yeah, no, totally understandable. And of guys with a, of rookies with at least a thousand minutes played last season, only nine of them had 25 or more minutes. Okoro, Anthony Edwards, Tyrese Halliburton, Jay Sean Tate, LaMelo Ball, Patrick Williams, Theo Maladon, Sadiq Bey, and Cole Anthony. And I looked this up and posted it on Twitter the other day. The other day, the only rookie of the year to average near 25 minutes per game was Malcolm Brogdon. And as we all remember, that was historically the worst rookie of the year race in a long, long time. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, I think you have one. I have, I have a surprise for you right here. <laughs> well, I got two for you. Uh, Jemias Ramsey over under 25 games played for the kicks this year. I mean, he's going to play over 25 games for the Stockton Kings. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's not who I was meaning. Yeah, no, I, I don't see how Ramsey is in the rotation this year. Yeah. I, I think this this year just needs to be like he kicks ass in Stockton. Yep. Um. All right, and here's the last one. Who gets more minutes for the Sacramento Kings? Lewis King or Robert Woodard? <laughs> Um, I mean, Woodard's not even playing in preseason. Yep. And, and how, like that, I, I know this whole don't read into rotations. Like, I feel like that's something you very much can read into. And it's not like Lewis King has been a bar burner in preseason. Um, no, he's, he's, he's hardly playing either, but yeah, well, I mean, he played, he played nine minutes against the Clippers and was one of six, including one of five from three. Um, so it's not like he's banging down the door, proving me right, right now. So I, I doubt that either of those dudes make a serious impact, but if I had to make a, a small mental bet with myself on, on who could be a surprise contributor in March, yeah, it's Lewis King. No question. Yeah. Yeah. I think the route to Woodard, like getting some minutes in Sacramento isn't, isn't like, terribly hard to see like he has to go to Stockton and prove that he has a three-point shot which I get is a lot from where he's starting but I I, yeah I mean there's a hole in that role on this roster so but I mean in in King fills that same role I was you knew what I was about to say yeah just in in a little bit of a different way but no yeah yeah Yeah, I mean you you have to you have to bet King here yeah and I hate you (laughs) <laughs> You're welcome. 
But yes, um, the as we're recording this, we're recording it before the Portland game and in the same day of. So I'm sure there will be little things here and there that we'll talk about. And we will talk about on the Wednesday release of this. And yeah, quick apologies. I know I was all uh, Monday, Wednesday, Friday releases, and then I kind of got caught up with some uh, things and uh, Friday ended up not happening, but still planning on sticking to Monday, Wednesday, Friday throughout this season. So stay on the lookout for those release days and do we have any other notes obviously check out the king's herald for all the great work going on there and look at the patreon of sport local independent king's coverage but anything else here brian i think we have an overtime question oh yes we do wow how dare i this was your (laughs) this was you had this question yeah if you could have any singular superpower so you can't just say like i want superman's powers any singular superpower what would it be? Yeah, I didn't put a crazy amount of thought into this because, yeah, we realized right before recording that we didn't have one. But, I mean, the first thing that comes to mind, and I feel like it's pretty solid, is just to be able to teleport. Like, yeah. I'm always late. If I can just be like, oh, I'm, which I'll still probably manage to be five minutes late because I'm not quite ready yet. And I'll, I'll be like, oh, I can teleport there. I have more time. Uh, yeah. But, yeah, I mean, I think that you get to go anywhere in the world at any point makes traveling wherever you're going a whole lot easier i yeah i'm pretty good going with teleporting i think teleporting is the clear answer um for me you know i've just i I, i'm i think uh mine would be um uh electricity uh both to just charge anything i wanted like imagine if you could just have a solar a battery in your house that you could just charge by yourself and never have to worry about power again. Um, and I've always had it. I've always had an affinity to just going out and standing in the middle of a thunderstorm. So <laughs> nice. That's a very adult answer of you, Brian. Yeah. Well, okay. My other answer is uh, make, uh, make clones of myself just so that, you know, one of me can be doing my real job. One of me can be doing my side hustle full time. One of me can be doing errands and chores. And one of me can be playing video games. There you go. The draft coverage would be insane. I know. Imagine <laughs> me me doing uh, 40 hours of draft coverage every week. Yeah. They'd actually all just end up watching, you know, Isaac Okoro tape all day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Four of me standing around the TV like, like oh, oh my God. Look God, did it. you see that rotation? It's a six, seven dude who can play defense. Right. Everybody get in here. <laughs> right. Right. I found him. I found the one this year. Oh God. So yeah. if 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 you've got a favorite superpower that isn't one of those ones that we named, like I guess flying's the other obvious one. Yeah. Um, I, I would pick teleporting over flying, but uh I feel like mind reading comes to mind comes to mind. Oh well. But. Yeah, but that's such a balanced one of I don't want to know. Tele- <laughs> even teleporting is like, yeah, there's so many great applications for it and so many fucked up applications for it. Yeah. Um, flying, uh, teleporting, um, invincibility, like never die. Yeah. It's a really obvious one. Um, so if you've got a, if you've got a favorite one, especially if it's a unique one, Make sure you share it either on the King's Herald post for this podcast or or just shoot it over to the King's Post Twitter. Yeah, definitely curious. And 
like you said, there's a there will be a post up about this episode on King's Herald and a bunch of work going up there all the time. Tim had a great thing about the Ben Simmons conversation the other day. Um, and there's going to be obviously a lot more stuff there as the season is is coming underway and more stuff coming from us here as well. So if you enjoyed this episode of the King's Pulse podcast, please subscribe, rate, and review, and you'll hear from us again in the next couple of days.